Welcome back to episode seven of a podcast about New York sports. I'm Sam Allen. I'm joined by Matt McFeely today. And wow, what a day it is to be a New York sports fan. What a day. Yankees win, Mets win, Jets win, and Giants win. First time that all four teams have won since September 27, 2009. All having their own different storylines. Yankees going one way, Jets going one way, Giants going one way, Mets going another. And it's unbelievable. It's a great Monday. The vibes are high. I was in the supermarket before, and I could just tell that there were. I saw Jet jerseys. I saw Giant jerseys. I saw every kind of jersey. It's an amazing day to be a New York sports fan. We got you covered here today. Matt, what do you have to say about yesterday? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I was in Philadelphia just uh, all over the place all day yesterday. So anything I got to watch was just kind of walking around on my phone. But, man, and, and every, every game was – all four of those games were interesting in their own way. I mean, I, I think yeah. the Pirates struck out the, the 20 of 27 outs recorded by the Pirates. I believe they struck out for 20 of them. Uh, DeGrom was phenomenal until, you know, obviously O'Neill Cruz uh, does it again. Uh, they come back, take care of business. Um, do you remember when I said they had to win their next five? Yes. They went one and four over that span. So I, I think you're pretty happy with that. Aaron Judge, real quick, it's unbelievable. He's, he, I mean, he's really, you talk about a guy who just hits, is hitting everything. You can't, you just can't pitch to him. He, no matter the situation, no matter the pitcher, if he gets one in the zone, uh, it's a mistake and he's going to make you pay for it. And that's what he's been doing all season, as well as just being an absolutely amazing disciplined hitter. Hitting for average, he's what two points shy of having the triple crown. It's unbelievable. I mean, he's we've said enough about him. He's the backbone of the Yankees. I I said yesterday, or I guess two days ago now, that I can foresee him continuing to be the backbone of the Yankees for the next couple of years. But we've already had that discussion. Yep, and like um, we said, we don't want to talk too much baseball here. But I do want to ask you. I mean, how could anyone feel confident about Garrett Cole in a big spot right now? Well, yeah, he's it's always that one pitch, right? There's always like the first inning he gives up that three home three run home run. Yep. And it's 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 just like another one of those things where you think about you go back to his starting against the Red Sox in the wild card game. They jumped on quick. Uh, pretty sure they scored runs in the first inning. Yep. And that was that was it. I mean, it's it's just something that Yankee fans are going to have to uh, maybe have to deal with. I mean, he's going to be here. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be the ace of this staff going forward. And uh, you just got to hope that that one pitch can come in, can either not come at all or can come at a time where it's less low leverage. So, right. So yeah. I mean, when, as a, as a, as a Yankee season. fan, go, go on, go on. No, you go. When, when you get to the postseason, I guess, let's say you run three. I don't think anyone's excited about Cole to Nestor to Montas. I, I don't know. Well, Montas is out. Montas is not, I don't, not only do I think his injury, obviously his injury is uh, his injury status is, is affecting his postseason, uh, I guess, reality for the Yankees, but he, uh, he's getting an MRI. I believe he already got one. So I don't think we've gotten the results of it yet, but I think they're banking on Nestor Cole and Severino to lead them into the postseason. And it's, it's a lot to ask of all of them. I mean, you think we just spoke about Cole and his inconsistency. Nestor Cortez has arguably been the most consistent Yankee pitcher all year. And then Luis Severino. I don't think there's any question about that. Oh, I mean, yeah, 
but I mean, I guess the question is consistently what? I mean, Garrett Cole has been consistently, you know, that one pitch or one inning every start where he messes up. That's been pretty consistent, but consistently yeah. good. Uh, it's been Nestor. And I mean, I've even seen people that have argued that Nestor should start game one of a postseason series, which it's hard for me to argue against. I still think Cole, I still think you go Cole regardless of who your matchup is. And yep. I don't know. It's tough. I think the, the biggest question mark, it, I, again, I think Cole will get his. If he, even if he didn't give up, even if he gives, like, has like a decent start in the postseason, which obviously you don't want, but I think the Yankees offense can handle him giving up three, four runs in a start and winning the game. That's he's not going to be the guy to, to shut people down and go five innings, 13 strikeouts like DeGrom did yesterday. But even DeGrom, look, Cole had his Cole gave up a three run home run in the first inning yesterday. DeGrom strikes out 13 after five and gives up a three run home run on his last pitch. Yep. And both so teams it bailed out by their bats, which is excellent. Um, yeah. I don't want to spend too much on baseball. I know you don't either. You want to get right into the Jets? Right into the Jets. Oh, and uh, what a, that is something that the best way I heard it today was as a Jets fan and as we're both Jet fans, that is something that the Jets, that doesn't happen for the Jets. That happens against the Jets. Yep. That's, kind, that's the kind of game that the Jets lose. And we're just almost numb to it. That's I don't know about you, but yesterday I'm watching the end of that game and I'm like, and I, I promise you that I saw that them line up for that field goal to make it 31 30. And I said, this is such a miss in the most jet way possible. And then when that went through, I, I didn't know what to feel. I was just sitting there. Like, I was like, wow, the jets finally come up with this miraculous win. And if you listen to my, uh, my solo podcast that came out on Sunday morning, I said, a lot of the things that the Jets actually I was kind of off on my assessment of the Jets and what I thought they would do. But, hey, a win's a win. Um, still some frustrations uh, coaching wise and scheme wise with them. But I will take that win every day of the week. You don't expect to get onside kicks. You know, you don't expect. No. To get it was a beautiful kick. Um, it's probably a game the Jets didn't deserve to win. And it wasn't perfect. But there were so many pluses in that game that I, I, I think. I'm happy to just ignore the negatives for now because the defense was good in week one. Sure, they weren't great in week two, but even great defenses get into these types of games where they're just shootouts. The Rams do it all the time. That's just kind of how the NFL is built now. So I'm not going to kill the defense. Well, all right. So I don't want to necessarily kill the defense, but I do have my complaints. My first complaint, first third and one of the game. And what I said on my podcast was, if you have Joe Flacco as your quarterback, I think the objective of the offense should be to get the ball in the playmaker's hands, not necessarily having three-step drops or bootlegs with Joe Flacco, but get the ball in Elijah Moore's hand, get the ball in Garrett Wilson's hand, who was absolutely amazing yesterday and really showed some promise that I, again, another thing I'll lead into, but let me start with the play calling the first third and one yesterday. And I complained uh, as this happened, regardless of the situation, third and one, and the Jets run a bootleg with Joe Flacco. He, and, yeah, he got out of the pocket. Maybe the defense was fooled on the run, but he gets out, out of the pocket. There's a guy in his face. Everyone's covered. He's looking around, looking around, and actually ends up throwing a nice ball, but an incompletion. I think it was to Corey Davis. And immediately I said, what are they doing? 
you just drafted this running back who everyone's high on. You have this receiver that everyone's high on. You have Michael Carter, who was an absolute stud week one and a stud all year for you last year. And same thing for Elijah Moore. So why is the ball in Joe Flacco's hands? Run the ball right up the middle. Give it to Brees Hall. Give him a pitch. Give him some, even just a quick out to Elijah Moore. Catch the ball. Throw the ball. I want the wanted the ball in Joe Flacco's hands as little as possible yesterday. Again, I'm happy with the Jet win, but I think that if the Jets continue to make play calls or continue to scheme where they're relying on Joe Flacco, I mean, he's throwing the ball over 100 times. They did, they did correct that. So I feel like that's a little nitpicky to me because later on, they, they really did call a nice game. Well, late, well, later on, they did. I think they got into the locker room in this, in the, after the first half and said kind of what I'm saying. Like, yeah, we might need Joe Flacco to throw a lot, but let's get it out quick. Let's not run these bootlegs where Flacco – it's almost like – and tell me if I'm wrong or you disagree, but it's almost like they took this, this Zach Wilson-formed offense and just threw Joe Flacco in there regardless of his skill set and said, here you go, dude. Go run this offense that you've never ran before, and we know you can't run you know, physically. And they just said, here you go. Go try this. And I don't think that's a recipe for success, but in the second half, I think there was a lot more under center, very basic offense, even, and then I think basic offense leads to more complicated offense, which a guy like Joe Flacco has been in the league for a hundred years is obviously mentally capable of, of handling that, whether yeah. he's physically capable or not, that's uh, still up to debate yesterday in the second half. He most definitely was, he was rock solid yesterday. Doesn't he like lead the league in passing? He's in like top three or something like that. No, he's not. Uh, I was just oh. looking at that, but uh, he, he is the first Jet quarterback to throw for over three hundred yards and four touchdowns since the Monday Night Miracle, Vinny Testaverde, in the year two thousand. Uh, we we like to we we like to call him a statue. Uh, you know, his feet are cement blocks. He still throws a nice ball when he has time, and he still was able to spread it out the way that we asked him to in Week One. And uh, I, I think he played a very nice game. And I think it shuts down the Mike White conversation. I think so, too. Not that it ever was really a huge conversation. I mean, if he went out there and kind of shit the bed, for lack of a better term, maybe there would be a even bigger conversation regarding Mike White or who the Jets starter would be next week. But I still think that the plan all along was never to include Mike White in this. Mike White's just. Okay, if Joe, if if Zach Wilson comes back and they find out, you know, God forbid he's out for the year, maybe they explore Mike White, just see what they have. Sure. But I I don't I can't see it. I never thought it was a real, real argument, but uh, happy with the win. Uh, any other standouts? I thought the defense, another negative. The first half, the defense, they could have handed the ball to Nick Chubb every play and he would have ripped off six, seven yards of play. It was. Yeah. It was looking rough early for the Jets defense yesterday, and uh, I was high on their, their their run defense from against the Ravens. Uh, I thought they played the run defense played pretty well against them, uh, and I thought in the first half they they did not. Um, as far as the Browns, I thought the Browns kind of played a reverse game. I thought they they controlled the ball very well in the first half. They controlled Brissette the tempo. Well. Brissette played well in the first half, but then in the second half. I don't know what happened, but as soon as they got like one or two runs that were stuffed by the Jets defense, which were probably just pure energy plays, they kind of said, oh, no, they're on to us. Now we're going to have to make Jacoby Brissett make plays. And he did. He made some nice plays yesterday, but 
they just kind of abandoned. They could have controlled that second half just like they controlled the first half yesterday, and they just didn't. So I thought it was poor coaching on on the Browns' second half uh, offensively. Uh, even on defense, I thought there were some questionable questionable plays on defense by the Browns that I, I think that if I'm if I was the Browns, I think you should have just put the pressure on Joe Flacco. I thought there was too much where they were just sitting back and letting him kind of take the time and pick apart a defense a little bit, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, stop me if I'm getting a little too cringeworthy to me, but I think my my biggest jet takeaway was just the heart. I mean, everyone thought that game was over except for the Jets. I, I mean, I, I love it. Garrett, Garrett Wilson screaming in the faces of Browns fans. You know, I mean, it, it just they it, they looked like like a football team again. Yeah, and, and they uh, have guys. They have oh, guys. They have guys. Yes, they yeah. have guys. I mean, how could you not be excited about Zach Wilson coming back to this? Yeah, it's going to be a dynamic offense. It better be anyway. No, I and I think it will be. I think that, that they've shown enough where guys like Garrett Wilson, who if you can have a 100-yard game with Joe Flacco as your quarterback, why can't you repeat it with Zach Wilson, who's definitely better than Joe Flacco at this point, especially arm talent-wise? Oh, of course. Yeah, and, and then you add in uh, Elijah Moore and Michael Carter, who, again, Michael Carter, another standout. He's not going to – I feel like he's going to turn into one of those guys that – isn't necessarily going to be a huge stat sheet guy where he's going to have, you know, hundred yard rushing game after hundred yard rushing game, but he's going to do all the little things. He's going to get you the first downs. He gets you those, those plays in the backfield where you, it, it looks like he's going to be lost for a two yard loss. And then it turns into a four yard gain after he makes one really nice move. I, I Michael Carter might be my favorite jet right now. Yeah. So I, I told you I was going to hit you with some overreactions later. This isn't one of them, but it, it's one of them that I want you to give your thoughts on. The Jets don't hit on offensive picks. It's just not a thing they do, right? Recently. Is Garrett Wilson the best wide receiver from that class? Drake London had a, had a phenomenal game yesterday. He looked amazing yesterday. He looked amazing. Dotson, I think, has two or three touchdowns already. I think he had two week one, one week two, so three now. Does Garrett Wilson look like the best from that class? Because everyone wanted London. Um, it's a little bit of an overreaction. I think uh, I was stunned. Drake London looks like a basketball player that can also play football, and yeah. he's just a freak athletically. And if he's going to be the feature wide receiver in that offense, I think he's going to blow Garrett Wilson's numbers out of the water just solely based on, on sure. volume. But I would say he's probably two, definitely in the top three. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that that the Jet offense is is one that I would sign up for over most in the league. Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, even Corey Davis, who is public enemy number one for us, had a big catch yesterday. Yeah, uh, he, Corey Davis played well. Friend. Yeah. And, and, I mean, and when you look when you look at next week, listen, I, I still don't expect them to beat the Bengals. Right. And the Bengals have looked horrendous and they can't protect Joe Burrow to save their lives. No, but, it's really bad. Yeah. But this is a team that the jets beat last year. Who's to say they can't, they can't bring some pressure, control the game a little bit. I mean, uh, you a hundred percent, you would have signed up for to at least have been one and two after week three and had a nice showing against Cincinnati, right? Been in the game. You, uh, they can. All right. Let me don't look at the line. Do you have the line in front of you I for don't. the game next week? I don't. What do you, th- uh, let me pull up the line. What do you think the line should be next week? I'm sorry. Are the Jets in Cincinnati? The Jets are a home. Oh, again, again, home against. Yeah, that's a good game. Um, should I go? Should I go to that game? I might. Uh, I might go with you. 
Okay, I might be down for that. I that actually, could I be fun. Yeah, I haven't been to one this year. Uh, I would say the Bengals are still uh, five five point favorites, maybe four and a half. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, so here's the thing. We'll get to the Bengals later. We're actually going to go around the league and what we're going to call uh Maddie's Met. What do, what do we call it? Maddie's uh, Monday. Maddie's Monday minute. We're going to call yeah. it right. Yeah, so we're going to go around the league. One minute, minute on game. every game. Yep. Yep. So we'll get to that game, but um, I would agree with you if the Bengals actually won yesterday, regardless of their performance, but a team like the Bengals who are as amazing as they are, are going to come in. And I yeah. think they're going to absolutely, yeah, I know what you know, holds barred against the Jets. I know what you mean. They're, they're They need to win bad, but yeah, I mean, re, they can't, you lose to the Jets after you lose to the Cowboys yeah. and without, without Dak Prescott. Yeah. That's, that's a recipe for, uh, Bad, bad season. That wasn't good news for the Giants or Eagles either, huh? No. I mean, Cooper Rush looked good. We'll get to them. It, it did look good. Speaking of the Giants, let's transition over to them. 2-0. What did I 2-0? say in the podcast? Giants 2-0. get to 2-0. See some Daniel Jones development. I thought Daniel Jones played well yesterday. Um, again, no interceptions for Daniel Jones. I, he made some really poor decisions, especially in the second half. He threw one in particular that was like even the I don't remember who was on the call yesterday, but he threw one yesterday that they were like stunned that he could even throw that ball. It almost looked like if I if I told Daniel Jones, hey, go throw an interception on this play, I don't think you could have thrown a better pass in that situation. <laughs> and it was and he dropped it, thankfully. But yeah. it, it, I thought other than that, I thought he played pretty well. Yeah. Barkley, I mean, he's the ultimate passenger. But you know what? Every time he goes out there and wins one of these games, he might be buying himself another year because the Giants are, they might not be in a position to pick a quarterback. I don't have a crystal ball in front of me. I don't know who's going to be available, but I mean, there, there's a world where he continues to improve week in, week out. The Giants win seven, eight games, and maybe you run it back with Daniel Jones. I don't know. Well, two things on Dan, two things about that. Uh, one thing is on my, on the podcast I put out yesterday, and recorded Saturday, I asked. I was asked the question, if the Giants find themselves in a position where they don't draft one of the top quarterbacks in this coming draft, who could be the Giants' starting quarterback next year? And the free agency class, at least up to this point, is rough, is really rough. Yeah, and, and I, I think I, I don't think Garoppolo is a guy that you want to bring in and make, you know what I mean? Well, so, I well mean, now, with Trey Lance being well, that, out for the that, year, that too. Uh, he's definitely not an option, but well, I, I mean, mean, the list is like Darnold, Baker Mayfield. It's guys that are of Daniel Jones caliber right now. So if yeah. Daniel Jones can add to that caliber of player for this the rest of the season. I think the Giants definitely could see themselves yeah. with Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones led offense next year. I mean, just like this year, the reason he's the quarterback is because they didn't have a better option. And who's to say that won't be the case next season? You're right. And then so that leads me to another question in, in regards to next season. I was asked, do we think this type of play from Daniel Jones can lead the Giants to the playoffs? Now, think about this question a little deeper because they, the Cowboys are going to be without Dak for a couple of weeks. I guess we'll see tonight. It's Monday, Monday afternoon that we're recording this, so the Eagles will play tonight. So the Giants I, have I, sole, sole possession if, if the Eagles don't pull this one out, right? Sole possession. Oh, yeah, and, and we'll, again, we'll get to this game, but I I'm picking the Vikings in that game. I don't know if the, I I'm, I'm very high in the Eagles, but 
we'll get to I, it. I, I'm very high on the Vikings uh, as well. Yeah, we'll get to it. But what do you think? Do you think if Daniel Jones consistently plays, you know, no turnover football, not the most amazing numbers, but even if you can rely on Barkley for half of the offense and Daniel Jones carries the other half? Well, I guess the question is, we both don't expect them to win the division, right? Kind of regardless of what Dallas does, we both like Philadelphia to win the division over the Giants at least, right? And then when you look at the wild card spots, I, I mean, one of them is going to be either the Packers or the Vikings. And I, will the Giants have enough to, to slide into that second wild card spot? I don't know. I, I, I think it's looking too far ahead for sure. But um, I mean, early, early, I guess an overreaction. Sort of. I, I mean, I, I don't think so. But I, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, we, me we went over, at we this went point, over, I wouldn't. We went over the win losses. I mean, we have them at six or seven, and I didn't even like them winning yesterday, and they won that game. So, I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the Giants' defense is still of question. I thought the O-line actually played decent yesterday. Not necessarily run, run blocking, but I thought their pass blocking for Daniel Jones, he had good enough time back there. Um, one thing about Daniel Jones that I'll say, and I, I think I mentioned this in our group chat, Daniel Jones, there's a misnomer about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is not an agile guy like a Tyler Murray, like he showed yesterday, or even a Russell Wilson. Daniel Jones is fast. He's a straight runner and he has, he's got good, good legs, but just watching him, he's not very, I don't think anyone ever put him in that category though, in terms of, but it, but it's like people, people just think, Oh wow. He ran this really quick 40 for a quarterback. He's got to be pretty athletic and pretty agile. He's really not. He's not like a, he's a straight line runner. Yes. I think you get him downhill and he can beat most guys in the league, which is pretty impressive. But when you get him in the pocket, he doesn't like jump around or he's not very, which very is almost, mobile. Which, which could be a good thing. It could, it might force him to use his arm, which I'll be honest. Yesterday, he made a couple throws in the second half that were absolutely elite level throws. There was one, it was either in the end of the first half or the beginning of the second half where I think he hit um, probably Richie James because Richie James seems to catch every ball for the Giants for whatever reason. But he hit him on like a, a little slant and stop up down the middle among three defenders. And it was an, he sat in the pocket. I think he got hit while he threw, while he threw the ball and absolutely thread the needle about 15, 20 yards downfield for a first down. And it was an absolutely elite level throw. And I think even the announcer, again, don't know who was on the call yesterday, but they said that is why he was drafted so high. That's what the Giants saw in him, his arm strength and his arm talent. And I think that this team will go as far as Daniel Jones, not necessarily plays, but maybe doesn't overplay. And what I mean by that is, when Daniel Jones overplays and forces the ball into positions where it shouldn't be going, I think that's when the Giants run into trouble. Well, they can win games that he doesn't lose for them. And that's yes. that's, that's what yes. we mean when we call him a passenger. I have one more question for you about Daniel Jones, and then I wanted to bring up another Giants point that I just remembered. What is Daniel Jones' absolute ceiling in relation to other quarterbacks? Because we know it's not Josh Allen. We know, even though they have the same build, the same, we know it's not Josh Allen. We know it's not Justin Herbert. What what is his ceiling? Kirk Cousins, and even that seems a little far out. I don't know about Kirk Cousins. I'm not high on Kirk again. I'm high on the Vikings, not Kirk Cousins. I, I see, and truthfully, you can take this as you may. I see a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo and Daniel Jones. I think they're very, very. Daniel Jones is again. Jimmy Garoppolo is another guy who 
his first kind of play type is just sitting in the pocket and uh, he does these bootlegs all the time where if you get him in space, he can look like an athlete. Yep. And I, I get a lot of the same vibe from him. That's a big reason why I didn't think the Giants really uh, would go after a Jimmy Garoppolo this year, because I yep. just think from the eye test, they're just very, very comparable. I, I mean, that's really the first time I've ever really made that comparison, but I was looking at it this week. And then with the Trey Lance injury, I was watching Jimmy Garoppolo play and I was like, they're very, very similar. They don't do anything too well. Sometimes they make some crazy boneheaded throws, but sometimes they also make these dots that are like, okay, well, for Jimmy G's case, that's why you pay him the money. And for Daniel Jones' case, that's why you drafted him so high. Right. We've talked so that would be my about, comp. We've talked a lot about Brian Dable. And it looks like after two weeks, we're not sure about the quarterback. We're sure about the head coach. And isn't it fascinating to you that they're putting such an emphasis on culture and foundation to the point where guys with a lot of talent, like Kadarius Tony, you see Kadarius Tony when he gets the ball in his hands in a little bit of space, they don't like him and he doesn't play because he's, I guess they think he's not worth the headache. Isn't that interesting to you that they, they, I I don't know. They, they don't put him on the field and he's, he's not the only one. Well, it's been obvious that, that they haven't been too keen on Kadarius Tony's, not necessarily his talent, but I guess his play style. And maybe you can kind of, I guess the comparison I'll draw is uh, Giant fans, how they felt about drafting Saquon Barkley second after well, a lot of people felt that he would just jump around the backfield and look for the big play when he would never take the sure play. Maybe that's the same way they feel about Kadarius Tony in, in the inside, you know, inside the locker room or inside the head coach's office. I don't know. I think Kadarius Tony's an amazing talent and, I think honestly, if I had to bet on it, I say he probably, probably doesn't. He won't start next season as a giant. I don't think something he'll either get traded, you know, release Steven again. I think that, and, and he has had some off the field issues as well. I think too. I think in college, I'm not sure. Yeah, and th- doesn't doesn't he have a huge uh, Giants tattoo somewhere as well? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's ridiculous in itself. Um, one thing, one other thing I wanted to touch on, I guess it'll be the last thing because we've gone over the Giants a lot. They lose Leonard Williams to a nasty looking leg injury. Uh, unsure about how long he'll be out. So you take that in subtraction, but then it looks like next week they will be with Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau, which will bolster their defense immensely. Those, those guys are two of the most highly regarded defensive players or young defensive players in the entire league. So it's only up for the Giants. Uh, again, next week, the Giants. Who do the Giants play next week? They're they are against home Dallas. against that. Wow. Listen, you're, okay, hold on. You're kind Listen of expecting, to this. You're kind of expecting them to be 3-0, and which is crazy. What Again, so let's play. What do you think the line is? The Giants are home. They have to be favorited. Um, a, a point and a half, two points. Two and a half. Their favorite. Okay. So the they're Cowboys saying not one yesterday. I would have guessed four and a half, you know, but I agree. So they're, so pretty much what they're saying is that the Cowboys are a half point better than Giants. Sort of. Yeah. So if you want to think about it like that, now listen to this potential weekend. Saturday, I'm going to the Yankee game. So Yankees, Red Sox, uh, potentially could be Aaron Judge's record setting home run, potentially. Yep. Sunday. I hope the it is. Jets, the J- wait, hold on. I just realized this Saturday Yankees Sunday, the Jets are home. And then Monday, the Giants are home. Yeah. 
I, what's stopping me from going to all three of those games and just making an absolute monster uh, weekend? I mean, that's a monster weekend. I, I couldn't do it, but more power to you if you're able. Wow, I might very much be able to. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm very open to that Jet game, though. Yeah, I, I'm very open to that, too. I got to check some tickets, see if any of my uh, resources can come through for me. But you want to go, uh, go around the league? Yeah, let's, uh, let's do that. All right, so now we're going to get into Maddie's Monday Minute, where we're going to go around the league and kind of just give a minute on each game, some of our initial thoughts, what it means going forward, maybe sometimes what it means for our local teams, uh, Jets and Giants. So let's start with the Patriots at the Steelers. Patriots beat the Steelers 17-14. Yeah, I mean, it it kind of, you know, a week ago, Bill Belichick had to retire. He can't coach anymore. But, uh, you know, neither of these teams are going anywhere. Uh, I don't think Mac Jones is very good. Um, I I think Deontay Johnson makes some incredible plays. Yeah, he's ridiculous. Um, He made a play yesterday that wasn't a catch, but it was just ridiculous catch. Yeah, I mean, just wait till they get a quarterback over there, and I think they're going to be good again because they always are. Yeah, and then for the Steelers, I think it's only a matter of time before it's probably Kenny Pickett's team. Uh, Mitch Trubisky just... He just doesn't do it for me. I think there's too many weapons in on the the Steelers' offense to have put up 14 points. Uh, I don't know. Not last week was a great win for them against the Bengals, but nonetheless, yeah, that that game uh, that certainly wasn't one of the more entertaining games of the week. But let's go to New Orleans, where Tom Brady finally breaks the Saints' curse. They win 20 to 10, not convincingly. Um, no, I think they don't look. No. Don't, they don't look that good. I'm sorry. They really, really don't. Their offense is absolutely they, – they hit these random one – I think it was two – I think the first game against the Cowboys, they had a long pass, long touchdown pass. Yesterday, Tom Brady threw a long touchdown. They had a pick six, and then they threw a, a random, like, 30-yard bomb to Rashad Perriman, who's – he's good. He, he can pretty much sit down for the rest of the year because – Every year, Brashad Perryman has like a one long touchdown and then he's good for the rest of the year, doesn't do another thing. Yeah, and they had some injuries and, you know, I don't want to get into whatever Tom Brady's dealing with in his personal life, but he doesn't seem like the same Tom Brady that we've seen over the years. Or look like the same Tom or Brady. Or look like. Physical, physically. Yeah, they are 2-0. and uh, They will be losing Mike Evans next week after that dust up with, was it Lattimore? Yeah, again. Yeah, and, and again, they had some injuries. They are 2-0 and and I could see them flipping a switch. But uh, yeah. they finally do. I think it was 0-5 against the Saints uh, with the Bucs until then. Also, too, one thing I will say about the Bucs, amazing defense. Their defense is incredible. It is. They turned. They sacked Jameis Winston six times yesterday and had three interceptions. Yep. And, so, and I, I mean, every, every time I try to get on the Jameis Winston bandwagon, he just kind of shows me why, well, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Yeah, he always, always is. So we'll go into the next game. We have... Probably the game of the day, and I'm yep. gonna hang on the rim here. Was all over the Dolphins' money line. Never in I doubt. To, I have to give you love for that. That was something. that. I am high on the Dolphins. That game put. If I was high on the Dolphins before this game, I'm like three times above the rim on that. So, mm-hmm. Dolphins win in a miraculous comeback, 42-38 over the Ravens, who go to one and one. 28 points in the fourth quarter by the Dolphins. Absolutely insane. And that was a much better Ravens team than we saw against the Jets last week. And Miami still able to just, I mean, come up with that one. Um, 
I, I think that the only question people have about Miami is to attack a Tagovailoa. And he has a performance like this where you kind of can't say anything. What do you think it is that makes it hard for people to feel sold on Tua? Because he's never played poorly. He's extremely accurate. Maybe he doesn't have the biggest arm. What is it about Tua that people are just so hesitant to buy in? Well, I think there's a couple things. And this this game might be longer than a minute, and I think it deserves it because it was yep. just an insane game. Tua threw for 469 yards with six touchdowns yesterday. Absolutely insane. Yep. But what I think and what I see from Tua, I'm high on him, right? But what I see from him is he just plays a little awkward. Like, he's a, first of all, he's a lefty, so that's already a difference to the eye uh, in terms of the eye test. But sometimes when he throws, it's almost like he, he like, it's weird. He'll, like, wind up and, like, he, like, opens his shoulder where it's almost like he ends up throwing the ball where he's square to the receiver, where his chest is, like, square to where he's throwing. And it's just very awkward to look at. I don't know if it's something in his, like, throwing mechanics. I'm not a, I'm not a quarterback coach. But it, it just, I think he just plays the game awkwardly. And there's nothing wrong with that. Hell, if you could play the game awkwardly and throw 470 yards and six touchdowns, please play it more awkwardly. Yeah, and Lamar Jackson was the best version of Lamar Jackson in the Dolphins. Yeah. Team. And I mean, is there, a, is there a better combo than right now what they have with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle? I mean, it's, um, a it's a beautiful mesh. Hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a that's a great, great one, too. Mm, I mean, I'm looking around the league real quick now. I don't see any. I mean, I guess. Not the Cardinals going to say DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe the Bengals. Maybe. Oh, man. Lamar Jackson. Jamar Chase. Breaks one off for 79 yards to the crib, and it felt like it was over. Oh, yeah, what, it was. What a game. What again, a game. Dolphins, Dolphins money line never in doubt. <laughs> um, here, here's a game right here. How about in Detroit? 36 points they put up. The offenses looked explosive out of nowhere. The the retread bowl, I call this. Jared Goff against uh, Carson Wentz. My guy Carson Wentz, who I'm still high on the commanders. I don't know why they didn't run the ball yesterday. They just kind of said, here, Carson Wentz, go throw the ball a million times. Even though they, they have... I think Antonio Gibson's a great running back, very underrated, and he rushed the ball 14 times, and the next highest was J.D. McKissick with three carries. They just didn't run the ball yesterday. I know they got down early, but, I mean, don't. They were down you know, 12-0 in the first, right? And they, they just said, we're not going to run the ball anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't really blame them. Sam Brown looks like he's going to be a heck of oh, a player. He's, he's a if heck he of is, a player. He's one of those guys that's going to win you your fantasy league and is going to also win the Lions games. Yeah, and, and by the way, we want to talk about how Antonio Gibson didn't run the ball. You know how many times DeAndre Swift, the leading rusher for Detroit yesterday, carried the ball? I'm looking right now, five, which is crazy. Five times. Yeah, it's and they came away with a win. I don't know. These teams are two teams that I don't think the Lions are doing anything this year. They're, they're like the sweetheart of the NFL because of hard knocks this year, which is strange every year, but... Well, why, why do you say you're high on the Commanders? Because I think you and I could probably both agree that there's a good chance that they finish fourth in the NFC East, right? I would say there's probably the same chance that they finish fourth as them finishing first. Yeah, there's such I, a I, coin flip. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on them. Um, I guess we do have even to talk want to... about this next game. Yeah. 
Yeah, Do we, we even we, have to? Yeah, we could talk about how uh, it busted my five-leg parlay because I thought the Colts were decent, but they are horrendous. They yeah, have really glaring, bad. glaring issues. Uh, they're not a good football team. They're not a no, good football and, team whatsoever. And Matt Ryan, I don't know what's going on with him. 16 of 30, 195 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions, five sacks. Yeah, he's done. Jonathan Taylor had 54 rushing yards. I, I, Ashton Doolin, <laughs> the, the pride of Reynoldsburg, Ohio, with the uh, was the leading receiver for the the Colts yesterday. They're a, they're a tough team to watch, and I mean, I'm not, I'm very not high on the Jaguars. I just Trevor Lawrence probably played his best game yesterday that I've seen him play in a long time. Maybe his best game in the NFL, period. Probably. Uh, he only had five incompletions, no interceptions, no sacks. He played very well yesterday, spread the ball around very well. I'll give him his flowers there, but again, the Colts are just not they are just not a competitive team this not, year. They are not a good football team. They, they've been chasing their tail ever since Andrew Luck retired, if we're being honest. Um, yep. How about in LA, man? The Rams win. Uh, again, not convincingly. They don't look great. What do you think about the Rams? Because, and I don't want to get too much into this because this is part of the overreaction segment I want to do with you afterwards. But, I mean, to, to hardly beat the Atlanta Falcons. Well, the Falcons are feisty. I've had a good a read on them this whole year that they're going to be a team that's, I took them week one as my sniff of the week and they almost covered. They just barely, barely lost to the Saints 26, 27, 26. Yep. I mean, they, they played the Saints and the Rams two weeks in a row. Those are two teams that people are were pretty high on and are most likely going to be at least in the playoff picture going forward. And they hung around with both of them. So, the, you know, you look at them and they say, wow, Falcons 0-2, they're in a rebuild. But they're a feisty team. I think Mariota actually hasn't played terribly. I mean, he's Marcus Mariota for his standards. He's been okay. Uh, he had two passing touchdowns, two interceptions yesterday, which – not elite, but he's Marcus Mariota at the end of the day. But if this and game then, was the Rams last year when they hit their stride against this year's Atlanta Falcons, I think they blow them out of the water. Oh, yeah, oh, easily. But what did I say? I, I don't know if I even mentioned this to you or whoever I mentioned this to. There was, like, rumors of Stafford being hurt, and I think he even came out and said that he had, like, elbow. arm issues. Elbow. Uh, that is, I think, very glaring. Uh, I haven't really gotten too into his you know, in-depth stats as far as like yards per completion or anything like that, or average air time. He's played, but well. I, I would, I would get to me, he's played. Okay. I mean, two interceptions, three touchdowns yesterday threw the ball 36 times. Okay. I mean like, but he's Matthew Stafford. Like I don't want, I don't want him throwing two interceptions. Like give me three touchdowns and maybe one interception on like a fluke or something like that. Sure. That's fine. But two interceptions, I don't know. He's what does he have? Four in the he has five interceptions on the year. Yeah, he had three in week one. I yeah. did he have five all of last year? But I don't think it's just a stat. I don't think it's just a Stafford issue. I think even, even the defense is taking a step back. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true too. And I think that them Cooper Cup is unbelievable. Eleven receptions, one hundred eight yards, two touchdowns yesterday. But I think them they're still looking for that number two. Allen Robinson is. He's always been like a freak athletically, and he had a good game yesterday, but only four catches yesterday. And then other than that, I guess Tyler Higby had seven catches, but would you consider that? Obviously, Cooper Cup is elite, but I wouldn't consider that 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 receiving core to be elite. I, I think Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill 
much better oh, receiving core than that. Of course, of course. Isn't but but when you have Cooper Cup, I think Cooper Cup is better than Tyreek Hill. And even I, still, I think the receiving core in, at the, uh, in Miami is better. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's better at what he does than Tyreek is at what he does. Um, I mean, he won the receiving triple crown last year, so. Yeah, yes, he did. Um, so I guess we'll enough about that game. We'll go into the next game. This was a uh, what was that Richard Sherman quote? You put a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's who you're gonna get. So a little bit of the well, Richard Sherman bowl, we'll say. Well, I, I took the 49ers in this game, and, and you had a lot to say about that pick. And uh, yeah, I I wasn't. I thought Geno Smith looked amazing in Week One. I what I didn't account for was how bad the Broncos looked. Yes, and um, I don't think they're again. We'll get to the Broncos. They're not a very good football team either. Yeah, the Broncos. Yeah, no, the Broncos are. They're rough, really yeah, so, rough. Listen, it's very, it's, it's upsetting uh, what happened to Trey Lance. It looks like Jimmy Garoppolo has got his job back for another full season here. Um, and that's another team that could make some noise. I mean, not that I think Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Trey Lance, which I guess I do at this moment in time. But I think you have an opportunity to go further with Garoppolo at this very moment than you do Trey Lance. So for the 49ers overall, maybe it's not the worst news in the world for this season. But, I mean, uh, an awful setback for Trey Lance, who, who finally gets a shot, his second game, done for the year. Yeah, it's it's rough. I mean, just seeing him, I think, what was it? It was like the first play or something like that. He, he was like, he, he had like 30 yards through the air, and then it happened. Yeah, that was, yeah, he threw the ball three times, yeah. Right to the Broncos, right? You know, it's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the Broncos, uh, who, who hardly beat the Texans. They were losing most of that game. Um... Here's the thing. I, I, I don't think Russell Wilson's completely washed, right? Because when you watch him, he still makes some plays. He, he still has a big arm. But I, I think the Broncos have a bad head coach. I don't think Nathaniel Hackett's a good head coach. Sure, two weeks in. But I I mean, coaching, I, we talk about it all the time. It matters the most in this sport, and it's not even close. And if you don't have a good coach, look, I mean, he basically cost them a win in week one. Yeah, that was... Week one, he did cost him the win. A lot of people would argue that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they – I, I think the Broncos are going to finish last in their own division. Uh, and the thing with me and Russell Wilson is, I mean, you know how big of a Russell Wilson fan I've been and always have been and always will be, to be quite honest. But he, I I don't, I won't believe that Russell Wilson is done until he's actually done. I, I think that new – this is arguably – do you think that was the biggest move of the offseason, getting Russell Wilson to Denver? As far as impact wise, probably. Yeah, yeah it would have to so, be. So, I mean, you got to figure it's probably a little bit of time to gel and figure stuff out. If you, if you look at their schedule, they probably went into week one, overlooked the Seahawks. Then they went into week two, overlooked the Texans. And I think now this is a bit of a wake up call for them. They're lucky they got out one and one. They could have very easily been 0 and 2, which effectively ends their season almost in that division. Yeah, they do have a tough schedule coming up. 49ers next week. Then they're at Las Vegas. Then it gets a little easier with the Colts, and then they play the Jets, Jaguar. A little bit of an easier schedule going there. So, to me, it just felt like not the right time to go and bring in a Russell Wilson and say, "Let's go for it." It just wasn't the right time. Well, they did sign up to a huge contract, so it's not like maybe this year isn't the year they win the, the Super Bowl. Maybe it's not. The Chargers aren't going anywhere. The Chiefs aren't going anywhere. Well, you're you're right, but. But still, I think that as long as you have Russell Wilson, I think Russell Wilson's a winner. Honestly, I think he is. But I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out and say that he's you know done for or anything like that. I'm. I'm still. Uh, I'm still on the positive side of Russell Wilson. 
Yeah, well, speaking of that division, by the way, the Raiders are 0-2. And they it couldn't have been easier to win that game after the first half. I, I, I mean, the Cardinals couldn't get anything going until the second half of that game. It, it felt like it was over. I, I mean, Kyler Murray is... <laughs> some of those plays he was making yesterday are were just absolutely absurd. They you, were... You ever see his, the shots? his pocket presence is crazy. You ever see the shots from behind them? And because of how short he is... It's like you can't see anything, but yeah. he throws it up and he throws dots. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, he's got an, um, the throw in the back of the end zone yesterday to, to get the two point conversion was ridiculous. Yeah, he, he caught a lot of disrespect, like in a, in a heartbeat. And everyone yeah. was high on Murray. He has the one game against the Rams that was really pitiful last year in the playoffs, and then the contract situation with the video games and this and that. And, you know, he's right back. He looks great. Yeah, he. Uh, one, I mean, he only had one touchdown, one interception yesterday. Well, but, I mean, that's accounting for a full half of them just not knowing that, what a football was. Yeah, and then on the other side, I still don't think the Raiders – I'm still high on the Raiders. It's just going to be too. a tough division. Am I going to be stunned if – so let's see. The Raiders just played the – they played the Cardinals, and they played the Chargers in week one. Two very, very tough teams. And I think they they were, again, just like I said earlier, who did I say this about? Uh, about the Broncos, was it? Or maybe the Commanders? Whoever it was. I think that would I be stunned if the Raiders go and win, you know, three in a row and kind of look like the Raiders again? No, not at all. But I think, I think like I said earlier, I love the Derek Carr and um, Devontae Adams hookup. They only... They didn't really have – they only had two catches for 12 yards yesterday and a touchdown, but you could just tell that that's another one of those things that it's going to take time to gel. I mean, you got to think, same thing with Russell Wilson. These guys don't play in the preseason anymore. The first four weeks, first month of the season is the preseason for these guys. They're still gelling, still getting the timing down. That's why you see some sloppy football now. And I, I think that they're, I think the Raiders will figure it out. I, th- I think they're just too talented not to. But in the AFC West, you don't really have you don't have time to have a preseason within the season. Well, you, you really don't. But I mean, even just I mean, just look at the AFC West right now. Look at the the Chargers are also one and one. The the Broncos are now one and one. The Chiefs are two and zero. Oh. Chiefs are two and zero. Oh. So the the Raiders win next week, and one of those teams lose. They're in second place, right behind the Chiefs. Take us so, to this next game. Bengals Cowboys. Nice. This is a good this is a good game, I thought. There's a lot of like very interesting storylines that came out of this game. Bengals offensive line is an absolute monstrosity. I feel terrible for Joe Burrow. They and, can't and, protect him whatsoever. Yeah. And is there anyone tougher? I mean, he dealt with this all season last year and went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, he's no, he's the guy. He's the but, guy. He really but, is. But I mean, he hasn't looked good. You know, I don't want to kill him. I get it. I get I get the offensive. I understand. But, man, he hasn't looked good. I don't think he – I wouldn't even go that far. I don't think he's – he hasn't looked like Joe Burrow of last year where he was just absolutely lights out every single game. And, again, I'm still – it's hard for me to say that guys are, oh, yeah, Joe Burrow's going to have an off year because I still well, think that a lot that, of these... but I'm just, I'm just saying I'm a little bit concerned. I'm maybe less concerned. I'm, I think that – they're, they just still need some time to gel. Maybe I think that the Bengals are again another team that's just too too talented all around to really fall into that 
the the NFL abyss, I'd say, where they just kind of start losing and everyone forgets about them. Every week, if they were if they went to this game and were 0 and 8, I think and they, everyone they had the same lineup, rolled up the same lineup, people would still say, I can see the Bengals winning this game. Yep. And on the other side of the ball, the Cowboys look good. Cooper yep. Rush looked really good. I think that was his second start, and he's now 2-0 or something he, like that. He did exactly what he had to do and a little bit more. And uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a gigantic win for Dallas because just a couple days ago, we all said, I think Dallas' season's over. Yeah, and no, it, this, and it's not. And it's not. And it's not. Um, yeah. And this, the nightcap, uh, no surprises here. Uh, the Packers kind of take advantage of a, a bad Chicago Bear team. Uh, Justin Fields threw the ball 11 times. Yeah, it was 70 yards. 70 yards. Aaron Jones was incredible, made it a lot easier for Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, has to get something going with a lot of these receivers soon. Um, It's a good win for the Packers. That's really all there is to say. The the Bears aren't any threat in this division. It's going to be Packers-Vikings down to the wire. Um, So, you know, I guess it's up to the Eagles to... uh, that one out but yeah and and one thing about the bears they need to just take the lid off and let let him throw like i know he's a runner he was justin fields is always a more of a run first more athletic type of quarterback but i don't care what his accuracy is i don't care he's only 54 percent on the on the year throwing he's only throwing the ball 28 times that's like a third of what joe flacco's thrown in the same amount of games yeah, I guess when you're 1-0, though, you know, you don't really want to open it up yet. You're trying to find out if there's a way you can win before you lose it immediately. And uh, just just yeah, terrible game. I mean, even in even in week one, he threw the ball, what? Threw the ball 17 times, yeah. and they won. So well, it looks like game, they're That game be was a, a little bit of an outlier. I mean, that, that was a... Uh, it was pouring raining, yeah. Yeah. But still, I mean, can you... If I said before the game last night that Justin Fields would throw the ball less than he did in a monsoon... <laughs> You'd be like, no, no way. I mean, there's yeah. just no way. So, I, I don't know. Obviously, maybe the Bears are looking to be more of like a run-heavy, defense-led team, maybe. But, I mean, how much confidence does that show you that they have in him going forward if they yep. don't want him to throw the ball? I mean, what, yeah. what, what, how, what kind of sense does that make? Yeah. Well, lucky us, we have two Monday night football games tonight. Um, we'll preview them in a second. But I wanted to ask you, I have three overreactions here. Now, keep in mind, they're overreactions. That's what they are. So when I ask you which one you believe, it means it's the one that you believe the most. It's the one you give the most uh, cachet to, right? So I have three or four of you. I'm gonna, I want you to split them into three categories. One, you believe it. Two, you need to see more. And three, just trash it. It's, it's just an abomination of an overreaction, right? Yep. One. Joe Burrow and the Bengals are just flat out fraudulent. Overreaction. You, you could wait till you, you hear them all. They're all overreactions. We just went over that. Okay. Two, <laughs> the Lions have a top five offense in football. Three, this is more than just a Super Bowl hangover for the Rams, and you just cannot foresee them repeating whatsoever. So believe it, need to see more, and just completely trash it. Um, I'm trashing the Bengals point. I think that the Bengals are, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be fine. They'll figure it out again. Too talented. Yeah. Until they come into MetLife and go 0 and three <laughs> that, I mean, okay. Then maybe I, you might ask me again next week and I might have a different answer, but right, the other two lions top five offense and the other one, the Rams just cannot repeat this year. And then what were my options? So I already trashed the, the Bengals. So one. You have one that you believe the most and one that, 
you can see it, but you have to see a little bit more. I say that I'm very, I've always been skeptical on the Rams. So I think I need to. Hmm. So you're going to anoint Detroit as a top five offense? No, because I don't believe in Jared Goff. But like Jared Goff also led the Rams to a top offense. Yes, he did when he was there. So I, I would say I would lean more on believing the, the the Lions could be a top five offense more so than I believe the Rams aren't uh, due for regression. I guess. Right. So that would be how that's that's how I'd answer that one. All right. So why don't why don't you take us into these two Monday night games? Obviously, we're going to want to talk a little bit more about Vikings Eagles than we are going to want to Titans Bills. Uh, we'll give picks against the spread. And uh, you can go ahead. So two Monday night games, which I'm a fan of. How do you feel about that in, just, I love in general? I love yeah, it. I'm a, I'm a fan. I wish I wish they actually started one a little earlier or even like. Had yeah, like, I, I don't like that they are going to be happening at basically the same time. Yeah, really. I don't like that either. I would like to see like uh, maybe like honestly, I don't know why they don't do this, but maybe like a 8 p.m. start. And then like I'd even take like a West Coast game where they They've have like that. a night game. They have done like, that. like late. I, yeah, they should. They should do that. That should be the Monday night recipe every yep. week. Um, So 715. That's the first game. Bills are minus 10 home against the Titans. Uh, what do you like here? That's that's a lot of points. I know that uh, I know people the, are high on the Bills. I know the Titans just lost to the Giants. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take the Titans with the points, and uh, and I'll hope for a backdoor cover. Interesting. I like the I like the Bills minus ten. I think in three weeks that these teams play to each other again, I think it'd be up to minus fourteen because I don't think the Titans are that good anymore, and I think the Bills are like amazing really it's just, unbelievable it's just you never know if you're gonna have one of those derrick henry games where he runs for about 200 yards mm, i see i the problem i think is that among quarterbacks that we talked about regressing it's ryan Tannehill is not i i don't know he's i've never been high in Tannehill. i don't think he's gonna ever be a guy that's gonna lead his team to any sort of prominence no uh, since, again, he, since he's been a titan he's always just kind of they've kind of masked him a little bit. Well, but now there's no AJ Brown. They, they have yeah. no, their receiving core is absolutely diminished. So who's he throwing it to? If I'm the bills, I mean, the bills have a good enough defense to do really whatever they want. But yeah. if I'm the bills, I put, you know, eight in the box and say, you know what? Derrick Henry will not beat us tonight. He will not beat us tonight. Yeah. So Ryan Tenhill, you better beat us tonight. And I don't think he can do that. Yeah. So their, their receiving core really is atrocious. Yeah. Oh so, goodness. I'll, yeah, I take I take the Bills tonight. I think uh, I think Josh Josh Allen in prime time is he's just he's going to be the, my player to watch this year. To be honest, every every time he's on, I'm going to be locked in on him. Uh, so I, I'm taking the Bills with the points there, and you're going to go against me and take the Titans with the points there. Correct? Yeah, back to back prime time games for Buffalo. Nice, and they rightfully so. They're unbelievable. Yeah, you know, but I will say though, there people are very very high on them. And all it takes is one little punch in the mouth for things to kind of go awry, we'll say, where someone starts blaming this person or someone doesn't have this quote after the game or someone says something that – or maybe one coaching decision that kind of blew the game for them. 
you just never know in the NFL. So I'll leave that as a caveat that game. Then for the last game, which is definitely the more competitive game and a little bit more intriguing, I think the uh, Vikings are going to go to Philly and play the Eagles where the Eagles are favored giving two and a half. Yep. When that game starts, I will be turning off Tennessee at Buffalo. Uh, well, hopefully what I'm going to hope for is that the, this is how I'll, I'll bet the bills game. I'll bet the bills in the first half, watch yeah. the first half of that game, win that game. And then hopefully I can just roll over my winnings onto the Vikings money line, because I think the Vikings are just going to win this game outright. I, I do think the Phillies, the Phillies, the Eagles are definitely going to be there at the end of the year to compete for a playoff spot. Wouldn't even be stunned if they won the NFC East but I'm really high in the Vikings this year. Not high in Kirk Cousins, like I said earlier, but that offense is absolutely absurd. Yep, I, I am too. And uh, I know they're in Philly, but I, I'm actually a little bit surprised that, uh, that that Philly is almost a full field goal favorite here. Yeah, well, people are very high on them. I mean, they they almost lost to the Lions last week. and yeah. but, but even then, I still think that Vegas and just people in general, just, you know, and speaking to, I know a handful of Eagles fans and I actually have a cousin that's an Eagles fan that tells me, oh, they're winning the NFC East that, without any sweat, da, 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 which yep. could be the case. But, you know, you go you go into you go into tonight one and oh, you lose this game and going looking ahead for the Eagles. They're at the commanders then they play the Jaguars, Cardinals, Cowboys. Their schedule is is OK. It's about a mid schedule. It's an average schedule, but. Um, I think a jury's still out on Jalen Hurts. I, I'm not sold oh, on I him agree. being uh, – I would agree. He's not in the, the caliber – of definitely not in the caliber of a Josh Allen or any of oh, these of elite quarterbacks, but it's still out to see whether he can be the guy for the future. So I think it's a big, very early test for the Eagles and they're really going to test their legitimacy among the entire league. But I'm going to go with the Vikings tonight. Yeah, uh, and, and if we're both right about this and the Vikings do win this game uh... – with, with the Giants hosting Dallas next week, you kind of – you start to get a little bit excited. Yeah, I mean, they can go to 3-0 next week if they yeah. win yeah. home on Monday night. That's electric. I might skip the Jet game <laughs> to go to the Giants Monday night against the Cowboys. Yeah. Actually, I went to the last Giant game – was it the last Giant – no, actually, last two Giant games I went to, what, the last one I went to was when the cat was running on the field. Do you remember that game? Yeah. They had that cat on the field for 20 minutes. Yeah. Was that that game? And I think the one before was when they played the Cowboys and it, they were like tied in the fourth quarter with like two minutes left. And Amari Cooper caught like a 50 yard touchdown running down the sideline. And the place just went absolutely dead silent and started booing. It was, it was great to be honest, but uh, maybe I'll be there Monday night. And I think I'm due for another electric giant game. So give me a, give we'll me a, final, give me a final score for this game, which uh, Vikings Eagles. I, I want to see where your head's at. What kind of game you think this is going to be? Hmm. Well, I think the Vikings offense is going to be electric regardless. So I can see them putting up. Let me say, I'll say 31 21 Vikings. I, I like that. Yeah. 31. Let's even not 24. Let's say 31 21. Yeah. I think I like the over here at 49 and a half also. Well, if you like my 31-21, then you definitely like the over. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's going to be one of those games. Um, anything else? No, I think uh, I think we had a good long episode now. So I think we'll get into a little baseball later in the week. Um, we'll yep. see if Judge maybe can break the record. I mean, they play tomorrow. So if he gets two home runs, three home runs tomorrow, or even yep. the next day, we'll hop on for an emergency podcast, talk about that. 
Yeah, there's um, going to be a lot of baseball to talk about moving forward, especially with the Mets pennant race. That's going to, I mean, certainly heat up, uh, hopefully into that series with Atlanta at the end of September. Yeah, the, um, the Phillies couldn't help the Mets at all, right? <laughs> nope, nothing. Of course not. So, all right. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode. Um, thanks for listening. Um, looking probably midweek, maybe Thursday, maybe Wednesday, Thursday for the next episode. So stay tuned for that. As always, send us questions on our Instagram. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. And-